Welcome friends to Season 2 of That's My Jam Stack. If you liked Season 1, you'll get more of the same out of Season 2. Me talking with developers and designers in our amazing community, talking about their passions in and out of the Jam Stack. I'm your host, Brian Robinson, and this week we have the amazing Tim Benix on the show. Tim is Director of Web Development at Valtech, part of the Cloudinary Media Developer Experts Program, a speaker, and much more. But before we dive into the interview, I want to welcome back into Season 2 our amazing Season 1 sponsor, Take Shape. Stick around after the episode to find out more about their content platform or head over to takeshape.io slash that's my jam stack for more information. Today on the podcast, we have Tim. Tim, welcome. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thanks so much. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you do for work? What do you do for fun? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, as I said, my name is Tim Benix and I was born in Amsterdam, but now I live in Paris. And here in Paris, I am the director of web development at an agency called Valtech, um, which is kind of a global agency where we do big platform builds um, for big e-commerce and stuff like that. And so I'm doing a whole bunch of different web development things and team management and things like that. Um, what I do for fun changes all the time. Actually, um, I've been a lifelong musician, so that always stays. I always enjoy making music. But lately, I've actually done um, a lot more content creation and I've been doing stuff like speaking in conferences. So I really enjoy that aspect now, like figuring out what gear to use to record something. Um, actually being able to speak in front of a camera and not be boring. Like, so for fun, I try this kind of stuff now. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I can, I can get behind that. It is once you go down the gear rabbit hole of like audio recording and video recording, there's, there's no hope for you anymore. This is a trap. <laughs> and the worst is, um, as a musician, I've recorded a whole bunch in studios, but also at home back in Amsterdam. And then when we moved to Paris, I decided to either sell stuff or just gave it to friends who needed it because I was going to a small apartment. I couldn't make a lot of noise. So I had this nice stuff. And now that I'm back in a place where I can actually record, I don't have the stuff. And now I'm like, oh, but I don't like the cheap things because I'm used to all this nice stuff now. So it's it's a double trap for me. Nice. So what kind of what kind of music uh, do you do? You, I mean, we'll talk about what you're into in terms of listening, but uh, what kind of instruments do you play or what's your musical style? So I'm a guitarist um, and not much more. It's, it's one of those like if you ask me to sing, it will be awful. But on a guitar, I'm fine. And when I started out, I was like a session player. So I would play anything um, someone would like and I just play like that. So I would be like... Um, all over the place in all different kinds of things. But after a while, I noticed I just wanted to settle for something I really enjoyed, which was blues music. Like the old school Chicago 1960s blues, that's really where it's at for me. I really enjoy that. And then when I'm on stage playing that, it doesn't really matter anymore how technical you are. It's much more about the vibe and the feeling and the timing and having fun. And now that I don't play as much, if I grab a guitar now, I just play that and I'm happy. Nice. Very cool. Uh, so obviously not a music podcast, a Jamstack podcast. Exactly. So let's talk about like what was your <laughs> what was your entry point into the idea of the Jamstack or maybe it was static sites when you got into it. What, what's your entry point? Um, this is years ago now. The words Jamstack were never uttered at that time. <laughs> I'm kind of a dinosaur in our industry. 
and mm-hmm. I've I'm really start I started with all the basics, right? Like what does HTML do? And whoa, we have CSS mm-hmm. now, stuff like that. <laughs> and so at one point I found this thing called Jackal, and it's still around. And Jackal is this static site generator. I think it's built in Ruby. I'm not even sure anymore. And it was also used for GitHub pages back in the day. And I always made my own websites with this. Um, Everything at work was always more enterprise level or more creative or more, let's say, let's do a campaign for Chanel. We wouldn't be doing this. We always had like big enterprise systems. So in my own time, I wanted to do something simple that had like super good performance and stuff like that. So I started with Jekyll and I used that for years. And um, at one point, uh, of course, I, I, I was kind of forced into Vue.js land because of work and because I was also always a vanilla JS guy. And I really started to enjoy that more and more. And then Node.js became big. And then suddenly there was Nuxt. So Nuxt.js is kind of, it looks like Next.js a little bit on the, mm-hmm. on the React side. And they had this um, way to generate your website statically. And of course... When that all came out, Jamstack existed. And I didn't know it was Jamstack. I just still generated my site statically because <laughs> it was fast and it was all good. I could have cheap hosting. I didn't get hacked, all of that. And my latest one is now that I, I found Gritsum. And if you're in few land, Gritsum is great for Jamstack-like projects. And every time I need to tool up something that has static content in it and maybe some uh, microservices around it, I tend to use or Gritsum or Nuxt and then just fill it up with some data and the rest would be way more fancy potentially. But this is still my base. So that's how I entered this this realm of awesome. Very cool. And yeah, like that, I think that's... uh... For a certain generation of static site people, uh, Jekyll was is very much the entry point. Like that was that was my entry point. We've had a few guests on that said that that was theirs, oh, cool. uh, all from that kind of background of you know I used to write HTML and CSS, and then I needed something a little bit more, and it became Jekyll. Yeah, I I truly int- like I loved their template language and how that all fit together, and it felt like black magic back then because I didn't really care <laughs> about how it was built. It just worked, and it had like a CLI, and that was new to me. And it's just pure gold at that time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. So, uh, so nowadays you're you're in Gridsome, you're in Nuxt. Uh, how are you using it uh, personally? But also, like, are you using it professionally now? The Jamstack and Gridsome and all that good stuff. Well, this thing is clearly seeping into work now. <laughs> so, um, what I'm working on generally are big platforms. Let's say for a, a client like, let's say. EasyJet, which is like a big airplane company, or we have L'Oreal that has like 15 or 20 brands that all need websites. And like we have like three, 400 instances of websites in one system. So they all use this big enterprise stuff. And we are seeing more and more that the performance needs and the, the KPIs for good websites nowadays are much closer to what a static Jamstack site would do. And also for business. Right, because we are also thinking about performance, scalability, cost, uptime of servers. Um, so slowly but surely, this is is going into the work life now. And um, we don't really go fully Jamstack just yet, but things like microservices, Lambda functions, cloud connections, things like that, they really come into the picture now. And um, it just gonna it. I just give it a year. And most projects will be some sort of a Jamstack 
uh, approach, I think. That's awesome. Yeah, we, uh, I, I did agency work for about six and a half years and managed a team. And uh, it was right before I got fully into the Jamstack world. I had Jekyll blog and all that, but uh, cool. uh, I really wish I had dug in and we had started working towards that when I was still uh, in agency land. Because I think it would have been awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm in a place where there's this is still led by big business. And if you have a contract that you pay $2 million for for a couple of years, you're not just going to say, okay, how about we ditch that CMS system and now we go yeah. for something else. So what I have to do is find creative approaches to to give them the opportunity to want to change, but not cost them too much money. And that, let's say we did this recently for Louis Vuitton, which is like a super fancy brand or luxury stuff in Paris. They have this old um, e-commerce system with like a, a monolith. And what we did for them is... We they knew they wanted to change because one release was like 25 hours and it would not always go right. It was very challenging. And they wanted to release every week. So we, we lost half our week on releases, not even coding. So what they said, we're just going to need to separate the front end from the back end. So we have more flexibility on doing um, front end changes, design things, A-B testing, stuff like that. And so we came up with a Nuxt system for them that would be, it's next in universal mode. So we're not really in Jamstack land just yet. But these guys, they now have the opportunity to say, okay, so we have this big ancient CMS system behind us. We built on top of that an API layer that goes to Nuxt.js. Now we are suddenly in the position to say, let's swap this old system out for a new one that's cheaper and lighter. And then, so we gave them the opportunity for innovation on their tech stack. And it's so much cheaper now and they can do it, host it in the cloud rather than on um, like a co-located server somewhere in, in the basement, right? So all of that starts to work. And I'm quite sure that most of their content pages will be some sort of a statically generated system where then their e-commerce pages are more nuxed in universal mode. And I'm seeing that for the future, I think. Awesome. That, that, that is really cool. Um, so would you say that, that, that Nuxt and Gridsome are your jam in the Jamstack or, or what, you know, what sort of service or product, uh, is kind of what, what makes you love the Jamstack? Um, what I like most is like, let's, let's think because the Nuxt and the Gridsums and maybe even Gatsby or all of those, they work really well, but they work so well. They're like black magic and they're almost commonplace now, which is totally cool, right? It just works. So what excites me more are things like Lambda functions and how do I connect extra things against this stuff that just already works really well. So for example, I've built this little app. I've, I've built a couple of apps to just figure out what this cloud stuff does. Like I did um, for a talk I was preparing about Jamstack, I actually built an application that connects to my Strava service. So Strava is where if you do a bike ride or you're running, they track your pace and your GPS and stuff. But the, if you want to embed what you did on your blog, it didn't work well. But I was running marathons. So I wanted to write a story, embed a trading run and talk about it just because I'm a nerd. I like data, right? <laughs> it didn't work. So I decided, okay, I'm just going to build my own um, embed and I will query Strava to get all the data. And then I will show my run on a 3D WebGL globe and you can follow me live. Hmm. Just good fun. And um, yeah. 
that teaches you WebGL. It teaches you about how time works um, on a globe and like how do you plot GPS, all that craziness. But what made it fun was that I decided, okay, I, I don't want to have one node or PHP server or whatever that gets me all the data and then renders the front end. No, I want to do this in the Jamstack way where I have a single page app that's statically rendered, but that still does AJAX calls or some sort of REST calls um, to get the data. And so I came up with something like um, four or five Lambda functions. We used Azure functions for this because where I work, we get a free Azure subscription, which is great. Um, and these guys are running fast. They do a lot of cool stuff nowadays. And um, so I had to learn like how do these uh, micro, like these function as a service thing kind of work. But I managed to do my OAuth um, authentication with token exchange with one function um, to get the list of my activities with another function and then to um, grab the data of an activity and morph it into another type of structure that I could use in JSON for my um, representation on the 3D globe. The funny thing is like you only log in once, right? So that, or maybe twice, whatever, and you only get the list of of your um, activities maybe once or twice, but then you can click on every activity and you get them a lot. So if you need to scale, you you only have to scale the one where you get the activity all the time, but they don't know about each other. You just have to give it a token and it understands what to do. And I also added a little bit of cache in front. So, but that was also a redistributed cache. So it was not centralized. So there was nothing central there. And if I wanted to change my login flow or add maybe a Twitter login or a Nike login, I could do that because I used those Lambda functions. So at the moment, that's my jam to see how can I put this together? How can I orchestrate it? And how can I have fun with it? And especially having, let's say, um, webhooks in between those things. Like they can suddenly do things on their own without me actually orchestrating it. <laughs> the, uh, the robots taking over the world at that point. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so it's, it's kind of the, the putting the pieces together and finding new and kind of expressive ways to build out fun applications. Exactly. And because at work, I have to do all these serious e-commerce things that also, <laughs> also, they all need to do this kind of stuff. But then they have extremely expensive monolithical systems that do this. But you know what? You don't really need it because if you want to scale a monolith come Christmas time, mm-hmm. that's so hard to do that you have to put them on multiple servers. Then you have load balancing. And then how do you maintain a session or a cookie? You have to share them between those systems. Then you need to hire a company that does that for you. So that's so expensive and so bad for the environment. Actually having these Lambda functions that can scale um, indefinitely because they're so small and having your website as a static bunch of files, if you want to scale that, you just put it in more places on the CDN, right? So I really want to make sure that at work, these kind of things start to seep in. So it's not just playing anymore. This can mm-hmm. be actual business. Yeah, and especially especially the, the e-commerce, that, that Christmas time example is 100%. Like, how, how do you scale that without spending thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars in a short period of time? Well, you can do it in lambdas and small functions. Yes, exactly. The only drawback is like what we see in Jamstack is we tend to do this to simplify our lives, right? We don't want to have those all those servers everywhere that keep state and the complicated stuff. But the drawback is you also have to orchestrate and maintain that all those small services keep working. 
And if one dies, what happens? Because you don't always notice. Because if something is a monolith, the whole thing likely dies. <laughs> yeah. In this case, it's just one island that silently drops off, but you, you don't see it anymore. Uh, which is pretty cool because it's very stable. But you, you're going to need to have some sort of a way to um, maybe deploy different versions of it or have a monitoring, like if it's down or not. Like There's a, all this extra stuff. So it's still probably expensive, but it's more of a one-time thing. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, so what is uh, your actual jam right now? What's your favorite song? What's your favorite musician? Uh, what are you listening to right now? So lately, I really, um, my dad actually put me onto this. Like, this is um, it's, it's a little story that I that I have. Is like when I was young in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, where I grew up. You always take your bike to work as a young child, you, or to work to school. That's what you do. So no school buses or whatever, you just go. But my dad, when he had time, insisted to take the car to bring us because then he could play us blues music, right? He was able to give us a, a sense of music. And I love that so much. And now, now that I'm 35, he still does that. He still sends me stuff. So he sent me something called um, Fantastic Negrito, which is a um, quite modern approach to how you would play blues music. And it's very raw, and but it also kind of fits in a pop sense. He has really cool political views, but it's also gritty. It's a bit of like, I don't know, I cannot say that it's like Gary Clark Jr., but what it means, it's on the same kind of level, and it's kind of acceptable for people who are not blues fans. And I'm totally into this. And I can play a whole bunch of styles of music, he has this energy that I just don't have, so I wouldn't be able to play that. And if it's something that's super technical, I can generally just practice until I have it. With this guy, that's just not there. It's all about the feeling, and this is why this is such a fantastic musician. So if you have the chance and you like blues music or a bit rock stuff, yeah. you should really try to uh, to listen. Amazing. Awesome. Uh, so is there anything that you'd like to promote, something that you're doing that you want to get out into the Jamstack community? Um, actually... I would, and it's not specifically Jamstack focused, um, but recently, as I said in the beginning, I've been um, I've been trying to record things and figure stuff out about content creation. And one of the things I, I I have always loved, and now I'm trying to do, is doing interviews with people, a little bit like you are doing with me now, but then on YouTube. And um, I'm not here to just plug me and go to my channel. It's kind of more the people I get to interview. Um, because what we do is we go over how it has happened that they're on the place where they are. Like, how did they become so good at conference speaking or at teaching or at, um, you know, open source contributing? So I have a whole bunch of FUGS core team members. I have developer advocates at Microsoft. Like, people who are quite far ahead of me like they are on point, like they're there for a while. And I'm lucky enough that they get, they want to speak to me. And what we try to do is figure out how they got there. What is their story and find kind of tips and tricks for people who aspire to do this, that they can do uh, just the things that they say, try it. And the most amazing stories come out that like, we would go to a cafe and drink something together. They wouldn't tell me. And then on this interview, based on a certain line of questions or questioning, stuff comes out that I didn't know about, which is amazing. It's like there's people um, who were very depressed, couldn't get 
their job done and suddenly found this this way into tech and changed their lives around or someone who was a single mom very young and didn't know what to do and is now the lead evangelist um, at Sitecore. Like these are amazing stories. So what I would love to plug is just have a look at those interviews. And it's not just me, the guy who asks the questions, but listen to the people with their stories. I think that's worth your time if you are in our community. Yeah, definitely. That sounds that sounds amazing. We'll uh, we'll put a link to that down in the show notes. Awesome. Thanks. Very cool. Well, thanks for taking the time and uh, and being on the show with us today. And I hope you keep doing amazing things both at your agency and then uh, and kind of your personal time. Thanks a lot for that. I had a blast being on. Thanks again to Tim for being on the show and to you, our dear listeners, for taking the time out of your week to listen in and find out more about our amazing community. Before we get to our sponsor, be sure to like, heart, star, favorite, or whatever in your podcast app of choice and spread the word about the amazing people doing awesome stuff in our community. And now for our sponsor. If you listen to season one, you're probably aware of TakeShape by now. But as a reminder, TakeShape is a content platform for the Jamstack. TakeShape has a headless content management system, an easy-to-use GraphQL API, a static site generator, and an amazing new product called Mesh, a service that can tie together multiple APIs into their handy GraphQL interface. If you're doing anything with content on the Jamstack, be sure to check them out at takeshape.io slash that's my Jamstack. That's it for this week. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for the next awesome episode.